Welcome to the OT Potential Podcast, where each week we review one influential OT-related journal article. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Sarah Lyon, OTRL. And I know that as occupational therapy practitioners, you have tons of urgent things that compete for your attention each week. So I am so glad that you are here and taking time from your busy OT life to keep up with something that's really important, which is staying up to date on OT evidence. It is a crisp fall day here in Aurora, Nebraska. We are headed into Labor Day weekend, uh, and we have things happening around here like it's our first high school football game. It's our first Nebraska Cornhuskers football game. I'm not even really a football fan, but this feels like an important marker of time that we are just transitioning to this new season. So I hope that wherever you are today, that you are looking forward to your favorite fall activities, just like I am. This week at OT Potential, we finally released something that we've been working on for a long time, or more accurately, I would say people have been asking us for for a long time, which is our fieldwork manual for CODAs. Um, A couple years ago, I put together a site-specific fieldwork manual. The AOTA recommends that if you host a student that you have a manual that has all of these components, a week-to-week schedule, a communication plan, a plan for if additional growth is needed, a place for all of your policies, and kind of on and on. And so what I did was put together just all the basics you would need and laid it out and formatted it for you with the idea that you could go in and just make small tweaks for your own individual site. Hopefully 90 to 95% of the work is done for you. So an OT fieldwork is 12 weeks long. And as you may or may not know, a CODA fieldwork is eight weeks long. So what we did was we went in and we shortened some of the content and made the content specific to CODAs. So this CODA fieldwork manual was added to our OT Potential Club. That's our online version of our journal club for occupational therapy practitioners. And if you join the club, you can receive both the OT Fieldwork Manual and the CODA Fieldwork Manual for free. The OT Fieldwork Manual by itself costs $27 to download, uh, but it only costs $25 per year to join our online journal club. So it's a pretty good deal to get both of these manuals plus to get all the content that we put out each week just for the journal club. So if that is something that sounds helpful to you, I hope that you check it out. I know that having an OT student or a CODA student can be a really great time, uh, but I also know that there are just times where either the student or the fieldwork educator or both parties wishes that there was more structure and just more of a path for what to do if something isn't feeling quite right. And that's really what these manuals are set up to help you with. So if you have a student and are looking for additional help, again, I just encourage you to check these out. So with that being said, let's dive into our article for the week. And I'm really excited about this article because this is kind of the first repeat topic that we've had so far in the Journal Club. If you've been following along, you know that this year we identified 50 influential OT-related journal articles. 
And this is the first one that we're coming across that is pretty similar to one that we've reviewed before, which to me says that this is definitely a trend in research and definitely something that you want to be paying attention to. So I'm really excited to be talking about it today. The title of our journal article is Cortical Changes Underlying Balance Recovery in Patients with Hemiplegic Stroke. This article is found in the journal NeuroImage, which has an impact factor of 5.42. Um, as a reminder, AJOT, the American Journal of Occupational Therapy, has an impact factor between 3 and 4. So the impact factor of NeuroImage is slightly higher, meaning that this would be considered a slightly more influential journal. And it was published in 2014, and this journal article ranks 29 on our list of the 50 most influential OT-related articles. This journal article will be the article of the week for September 2nd through September 8th. If you are a member of the OT Potential Club, you can hop onto our forum to discuss it. And as always, the person who made the most like comment at the end of the week will receive our prize of $100. So we always start off with kind of our big picture breakdown of the articles uh, specifically for occupational therapy practitioners. And for this journal article, my initial impression was kind of surprised about just how little we still know about the human brain. But at the same time, balancing that with how impressed I am with how quickly our knowledge base of brain activity is growing. In this article, for example, the article seeks to understand which parts of the brain are responsible for balance control and recovery after stroke. Now, we already know that the spinal cord, the brainstem, the cerebellum, the basal ganglia, and the cerebral cortex have a role in balance, but that's basically like saying that the whole central nervous system controls balance, and it would be helpful to know which parts of the brain are really focused on uh, that balance control, and that is what this article sought to understand. A previous study that was actually done by the authors of this current article had found a correlation between balance control and the supplementary motor area, which is called the SMA, and the prefrontal cortex. If you're a member of the club, I'll definitely include a picture of these two areas just so you can kind of have a visual in your mind. So they had found a correlation between these two areas in balance control, but it still remained unclear what two roles these areas of the brain play in balance recovery following stroke. That's the information that we really want to know because that's what would be helpful to us clinically. And so this longitudinal study was conducted to monitor these particular areas of the brain before and after intensive rehabilitation following a stroke. And the good news is that the authors found a significant correlation between the activity in the SMA and balance function improvement as measured by the Berg balance scale. Now, the implication of this is that this cortical activation, these brain waves in these particular areas, could be used as a biomarker for balance recovery after stroke and may be useful in evaluating whether rehab interventions are working. Now, if this is the first time that you're hearing the phrase biomarker, or if it's the first time you've thought about it related to rehab, 
I really want to take a second to step back and just think about that and talk about that. Biomarkers are something that we can measure in the body that are showing us that rehab is working. So they're, they've basically been like the proverbial pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, uh, something that we have been really wanting in rehab and searching for. And all of a sudden in the past five years to a decade, we're finally getting the ability to really track in the brain changes that we've been seeing all along through rehab. So that's what makes this article important and articles like this important. And we'll talk a little bit more about this at the end of the podcast. But for now, let's look at some more details that it might be helpful for us as OTs to know about the study. The study was conducted in Osaka, Japan. It involved 20 patients, 17 male, 3 female, who were admitted to a multidisciplinary inpatient rehab for subcortical stroke. The average length of this rehab was 41 days. Some of the assessments that they used to track balance improvement and functional improvement um, that should be familiar to OTs are the functional independence measure, the FIM, the Fugelmeyer, the Berg balance test, and the 10-minute walk test. But in addition to these kind of standard functional assessments, the researchers also measured cortical activation using functional near-infrared spectrography which is abbreviated F-N-I-R-S. If there's an easier way to say this, maybe uh, let me know in our forum discussion. This is a technology that I'm not super familiar with, but it definitely looks like brainwave tracking devices that you might be familiar with, where there's electrodes placed along a cap uh, that is worn by a patient and hooks up to some kind of monitoring device. I'll put a picture of an example of this in the OT Potential Club so you can see what this FNIRS actually looks like. They give a lot of details about this particular uh, machine and the measurements that they were using, again, because this article is in neuroimage, so it's really directed at people who are actually doing that imaging. So I will just direct you to the article to learn more information about the specific machine and the specific measurements. But again, the important thing for us as rehab professionals was that they did find a significant correlation between the functional balance improvement as measured by the Berg balance scale and cortical activation within the SMA. I also wanted to dive a little deeper into how specifically occupational therapy was involved. Uh, we've already mentioned that these patients underwent intensive rehabilitation and that the measurements occurred before and after this intensive rehabilitation. But specifically, this rehab was provided seven days a week and involved 60 minutes of physical therapy, 60 minutes of occupational therapy, and speech therapy as was needed. Uh, none of the patients had more than 180 minutes of therapy per day, so they all had a pretty standard amount of rehab each day. The article did say that occupational therapy specifically included relaxation, training for hygiene, dressing, writing, eating, 
toileting and bathing, balance exercises, reaching, coordinative tasks of the upper limb and trunk, and dual motor tasks such as handling objects while standing and walking. It was really fun for me to see this list and look at this study and feel like the occupational therapy that was being provided was really familiar to what I would expect in an inpatient setting. Again, this study took place in Japan, so it's always fun to see that occupational therapy can look similar whether you're here in the United States where I am or halfway across the world in Japan. So what are our big picture takeaways for occupational therapists and occupational therapy assistants from this article? These, again, are my personal takeaways. They were not mentioned in the discussion of the article. They are just my own personal musings and hopefully some thoughts to get our discussion started around this particular journal article. My first takeaway is that this could just be a hold on to your seats topic for occupational therapists as biomarkers could quickly become an important objective measure for OT. If you've been following the club each week, you know that we've talked about biomarkers before. We've already reviewed another article that I'll link to in the club that was also about biomarkers for stroke. And there is just this really interesting combination of things going on right now where, as I mentioned before, we're learning more and more about the brain and specifically what areas of the brain control what and what we could be measuring in the brain to show us improvement in certain functional areas. And then the other interesting thing is that the technology to do these measurements is getting rapidly less expensive. And that's something that we talked at length about in the previous article. So if you're interested in the cost aspects of this, I encourage you to check that out. I couldn't easily find information on how much an FNIRS costs. But again, that general trend that we are seeing is that technologies like this are becoming more and more affordable. Which for me, if I was a wagering kind of gal, I would wager that in under a decade, your average OT clinic and average OT department will be wielding some kind of brainwave tracker and using it to measure progress for our patients. My second takeaway is that function is still really important. And I, for one, don't see these biomarkers as being threatening to what we're already doing. I really see them complementing the functional assessments that we're already doing. Of course, the hope for us is that these cortical changes will back up the efficacy of our treatments and hopefully give us even better information than we currently have for adjusting our treatments as necessary. So function will still be the main goal for our patients. I don't see that changing anytime in the near future, but these biomarkers could really become another important tool in our toolbox to helping us measure progress. We've talked about a lot in the club about how many of our current assessments really are lacking at this time. A lot of the assessments that we do kind of have this biomechanical lens. And lots of times these biomechanical improvements don't necessarily correlate to functional improvements. For example, if your range of motion gets better in your elbow, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're having a meaningful functional improvement. 
So the hope is that these cortical changes might have a stronger correlation with function than the assessments that we already have. Um, and for us as occupational therapists would really be a step in the right direction. And my final takeaway is that this future that we're talking about where we're using biomarkers to track changes in rehab is not just for stroke patients. Both of the articles that we've looked at in the club have been related to stroke, but if this technology has the power that we think that it possibly will um, and ends up working for these patients, I think that it will quickly expand to other diagnoses that we treat. The other diagnosis that I've heard and seen connected with biomarkers the most frequently is actually autism, which I'm hoping makes our pediatric OTs listening kind of perk up because this is not just for adult rehab. We've discussed biomarkers and autism a couple times in the club already, actually, so I really encourage you to check out those articles if you are a pediatric therapist. Okay, that is all that I have for you about this article today. I really hope that this topic doesn't feel intimidating or overwhelming or even scary for the future of our profession, but I hope that you find some excitement here. I think that this potentially holds really great promise for our profession, really great promise for tracking the efficacy of what we're doing. And even though I emphasize that these changes could be coming more quickly than one would think, I don't think in the next six months to a year, most of us will have brainwave trackers in our clinics and departments. So we really have time to be absorbing this information. Uh, but in the meantime, if you are feeling frustrated about the current assessments that we have and wishing that more was being captured. There are exciting things coming down the pipeline. So hopefully we can just look to that future with some hope and excitement. As I've mentioned before in this podcast, this podcast is an extension of the OT Potential Club. The OT Potential Club is the online version of this journal club, and it's the place where these articles really come alive because we have a forum discussion each week about the content, and I am just always so thankful for the thoughtful comments that people make um, for answering people's questions and honestly just how wonderful OTs are. We are really lucky to be a part of such a supportive profession and you can really see that in the comments of the club. So thank you to those of you who are already members and if you're interested in signing up, I wanted to let you know that now is really a great time to do that because at the end of September, we're going to be raising the price. The current price is $25 per year to be a part of this online journal club. And if you sign up during the month of September, you will lock in your lifelong membership at that $25 per year, as long as you keep your membership active. So hopefully you see that as being a great price, a great deal. We're really doing our best to connect therapists with uh, this really important research. And just as a little bonus aside, we created a really cool sticker for our founding members that we will be sending out during September. So if you sign up in September, you hopefully will receive one of these really cool stickers. You can sign up or sign in at otpotential.com. And I really wanted to thank you all for joining me today. I really enjoy discussing these articles with you. And I hope that you give great care this week.